a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to me. This week on The Pete the Planner, we continue answering your deepest, darkest, most secret money questions. They're neither deep, dark, nor secret, but that's what we do on the show. The show is about answering your financial questions without trying to sell you something. Now that is special. Uh, This week, we're going to cover a few different topics, wide ranging topics. Uh, Is it possible to never retire successfully? (laughs) Listen to that. Is it possible to never retire and make that plan work successfully? Like your strategy is to not retire. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what is the biggest mistake a new college grad makes uh, and how do you avoid that? We're also going to talk about how much money you should spend on food, And finally, what is this week's biggest waste of money of the week? So let's get started. This week's first question comes from a gentleman named Wendell, which it's hard not to think of, the Arrested Development song, Mr. Wendell. Nicole, that it was probably not a jam for you because you were probably in first grade when Mr. Wendell came out. I was going to say, I wish I was familiar because I kind of like the name Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell is an incredible song. Um, and I don't think we can play it because we don't have the rights to it on the air, but Mm -hmm. go to YouTube, everyone, and find Mr. Wendell and just let your body feel it. (laughs) Here's the question. Uh, Dear Pete, retirement simply isn't a goal of mine. I enjoy the work I do. I don't have that much money saved for retirement anyway, and very frankly, I think I'd prefer to just work until I die. Am I missing something? I feel like people get too bent out of shape about not having enough money for retirement. My plan is just to avoid the whole headache by not retiring. Sincerely, Wendell. Wendell does seem like it's a sincere name, if I'm being honest. All right, Wendell, we can help you here. All right, so first of all, the the, the thing that sticks out to me about this question is the idea that you say, uh, I don't have that much money anyway. Which, when, when people say that, what I'm wondering is, do you feel like you don't want to retire because you don't have a lot of money, so therefore you've created some comfort with that? Or is it just really a coincidence that, oh, uh, you don't want to try retire, and it just so happens you also don't have any money? You see what I mean? Like, when I look in the mirror, and I'm staring back in the mirror, if I say, you know, I never really wanted to be a model anyway, like, like, is it because of what I see in the reflection in the mirror, or are they just two separate events that happen to match up? I think a lot of times when people say things like, well, I didn't want to retire anyway, typically, that means that they did something wrong and they have no choice. But Wendell, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here and say that you, you really don't want to retire. You just want to keep working. I'm totally fine with that. And it really is a coincidence that you also don't have a lot of money, because I don't know if it really matters to how I answer the question, but I will say this. Let's assume for half second that it's the other way around, that you can't retire and you figure out late in the game you can't retire. Not that you uh, don't want to retire, but you can't. That's a different problem. And Wendell, that's not where you're at, but a lot of people every day, thousands, tens of thousands, let's just be dramatic, billions of Americans every day, trillions of Americans every day, discover they can't retire because they're in a jam. And so uh, as, we, as, we, as we answer this question, which don't get me wrong, I'm gonna answer here in just a second. As I answer the question, I want you to think about, I want you to think about when this 
situation is put upon you in a stressful situation. Because Wendell, we're going to answer this question for you in a way that you've got some time to plan to not retire. It seems like you're a few years out from retirement. So that is to say, we have to put together a successful strategy for you and you have time on your side to do it. When you are in the throes of trying to retire right now and you figure out you can't, it's a whole different ballgame. Frank, does that make sense, what I just said? Yes. It does? Yeah. Oh my gosh, let's move on. I know. I know, it's incredible. Uh, okay, so here's the issue. Retirement is 80 years old. We've talked about this on the show before. The entire concept of retirement is 80 years old. Because Wendell, if you were born, uh, I don't know, the let's call it the 1840s or 1850s, by the time you went to retire, there was no retirement. You just worked and you died. So your plan works in the 1920s, right? Because you're in the 1920s, you're working, and then you're dead. So Wendell, you were just born in the wrong time. Unfortunately, because this thing called retirement came along, well, the game has changed, right? There's this expectation that you get this period of time between work and death, and it's called retirement. What you're saying is you don't care about that time frame. Cool. That's fine. But I will tell you, that's not always your choice. There's two major elements here that we need to discuss as to where your plan will fall apart, because it will, sorry, and how to fix that, because you can. All right. Number one, at some point in time, everyone, not just you, Mr. Wendell, everyone's body and or mind will tap out before they want it to. Nicole, do you know what I'm getting with this, right? I do. And it's a little dark, but it, it's reality. It's a little macabre. We've, little we've macabre. gotten comfy with the uncomfy here at Pho. That's what we do at Pho. <laughs> that is uh, uh, P-H-O, uh, Peter Home Office. We call it Pho. Because if you're pronouncing the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the noodle soup dish correctly, it's not pho, it's pho. Anyway, uh, so at some point in time, you're saying, well, I'm going to work forever. Your body is telling you no, and your mind is telling you yes. Is that the R. Kelly song? Did I just quote R. Kelly on the show? Oh. God, this went downhill. Boy. Ooh. At some point in time, your mind and body are like, I can't do it. Okay, so that means you will at some point then be retired because you'll be at a period of time where you're not working and you're not dead. And so it's a forced retirement. So, Wendell, we have to account for that period of time because that period of time will exist. We'll get there. The second thing is, and this one is definitely not fun to talk about, and in a way it's a bit darker than death, age discrimination. Like, you may no longer have a gig because age discrimination is real, like really real. Our society decided collectively, almost involuntarily, or voluntarily, depends how you look at it, to not value the contributions of more experienced workers uh, in the workplace. It's horrible, I know. And, and, and don't think you're getting a solution out of me for this, because I, I don't have one. I don't know if we uh, collectively have a solution to discarding the most valuable people in the workforce, the people that are most experienced and bring wisdom to the table. You will find post 55, it is harder to find yourself reemployed once unemployed. It's a fact. So Wendell, I don't know how old you are, but that problem gets worse as you get older. If you happen to lose a job or the company you work for shifts and, and they don't want the contribution of a 76 year old, that's real. It's terrible, it's real. And so you're gonna have to account for that period of time in which you are a, uh, a, a working person who cannot find work. 
you are truly unemployed. You're not retired because you don't want to be retired. You're unemployed. So you're going to have to fund that period of time too. So how do you do all this? Well, social security is involved. Okay. So here's how you solve the problem. Finally, after what, eight minutes, you get the solution. Here's what you do. Go to ssa.gov, that's socialsecurityadministration.gov. Calculate how much income will be available for you through ssa.gov, your social security retirement benefit, at age 70. Okay, so that's the max age you can take it. Calculate that amount, and then look at the difference between what you're earning now and what you will earn with your social security benefit. For instance, let's say you're earning $2,600 a month take home pay right now, and your social security benefit at age 70 is $2,300 a month, and you're gonna have to factor for after tax notion of that. So let's call it $2,000. So then what you would have to do is over the next several years, you're going to have to wean yourself down from your $2,600 a month income. So then when you are involuntarily unemployed, you can naturally transition to living on that lesser amount. Because if you're living on $2,600 a month now, you uh, can't work because your mind or your body or your employer's like, no, no dice. Then how are you gonna go cold turkey from living on $2,600 a month to $2,000 a month? The reality is you can't. So you can pull off your plan. I, I think you can successfully never retire. And I wish you the best of luck with that. But the way you're gonna have to do it is to prepare for that period of time in which you've lost the power of choice. And the power of choice, of course, is that you wanna keep working. However, you cannot keep working because of other factors. So whatever you earn now, look at it, then go to ssa.gov, figure out what you are gonna be paid with your social security benefit, and then make the two numbers match as soon as humanly possible. Frank, that kind of worked out. It came together nicely. Do you understand what I want to do? Do you understand that? I got a little lost in the middle, but yeah. I, I'm back. Okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> well, I got excited. You did. It's been a fun day so far. It is. So that's the answer. Um, Nicole, we have a new addition to the show this week. Those listening uh, on uh, the radio or, or watching at PizzaPlanet.tv, we've got a, a, our summer intern, our we digital do. media intern, Aaliyah, is joining us running the camera this week at PTP.tv, which is actually PeteThePlanner.tv. Don't, we don't own PTP.tv, so don't go there. Don't go there. So she's doing a great job. So she welcome is. Aaliyah to the show. Can she shout in the background of what yeah. you're doing right now? I, I'm just switching between cameras to make sure you look good. They, well, we're going to need a lot more than cameras. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, Aaliyah. We love having you here. So welcome to your job. Welcome to your job. Well, welcome to your job. All right, Frank, uh, after the break, here's what we're going to do. Um, you know, people want uh, all this information distilled down into one point. People always want to know, what is the biggest mistake new college grads make financially that puts them in a bind for years? I will answer that, answer that question. And I will also provide you a solution and answer right after these words. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. Stop what you're doing. Log on. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man to voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage. 
lodge by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down the stamp again. All right, back on the Pete the Planner show. Your money questions answered. This one, uh, this question I get a lot in, in different forms, and it revolves around the idea of what's the one thing you can tell a new college grad to prevent them from ruining their financial life? Now, you would think the answer is to contribute to their 401k immediately, which by the way, we, we do want them to do that, but here is the real answer. The biggest issue for new college grads is something we call the grace period. And to help us understand this, let's talk to someone who will be in this situation not too long from now, uh, summer intern, Aaliyah. Aaliyah, when do you graduate? I graduate next May. Next May, okay. So that'll be an exciting time for you. Slightly terrifying, yes. Uh, will, will you have student loans? Is this something you're willing to talk about? You don't have to talk about the amount, but will you have yeah, any? I do. Um, I do have some student loans that actually still kind of scare me right now. Okay, sure. I'm scared too. I'm not even involved. <laughs> um, so Aaliyah, do you know what the grace period is? Um, is that like the time they give you, like, don't they like give you like six months before you start paying? Yes. And this is where we're going to focus our time. So the biggest mistake that new college grads make, especially in relation to those folks with student loans, which the average is creeping now near $40,000, $40,000 is what the average uh, college graduate in the year 2018 will have in student loan payments. And I think the number is uh, north of 70% of graduating seniors this year, well north of 70%, have student loans, okay? So here's the problem. When you accept the grace period, when you say, well, thank you for being so gracious, when you, are, when you accept the grace period, here's what ends up happening. You set your lifestyle around your, your take-home pay that occurs, let's say, hypothetically from June, the, the month after you graduate, for six months, and, and this new lifestyle, which is a series of habits, creates a scenario in which when you then have to uh, come out of the grace period and start making payments, you have to unweave what is woven, and it's nearly impossible for anybody albeit a person who has six months into being an adult, and that, I say that in quotes because it's condescending, um, that becomes the issue. So here, let me give you numbers here. Uh, Leah, I want to imagine for a second that your first job, uh, your take-home pay is $2,500 a month. Okay, or are we good with that? I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Is that okay? Can we go yeah. with that? Yeah, that sounds great. $2,500 a month, which would mean you're basically your income's like 44000 something like that on a gross basis, but $2,500 a month. Okay, and let's say your student loan payment is $500 a month, but you don't start paying it right away because of the grace period. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, I know you're talking about moving away and doing these different things, so that means you can't really live at home if you move away unless you force your family to move with you, which is weird, <laughs> right? Yeah, it would be weird. It would be weird. It's like, hey, guys, I'm, I just got to college. Let's all go somewhere else. It doesn't work that way. No. So you move out, you got a bunch of expenses because you're establishing a household not here, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to do that and you're moving to an expensive area like you plan to, <laughs> right? Like yeah. the most expensive area. Then what ends up what hap uh, what ends up happening? I should say because that's the right way to say it uh, is that you use all twenty five hundred dollars a month because you kind of have to. I mean, most people would. And then six months later, when your five hundred dollar a month payment comes due over a, for for ten years to come, 
how in the heck, Aaliyah, are you going to unweave five hundred thousand dollars? Whoa, that's a lot. That that oh, that, that this just took a yeah. wild turn. Five hundred dollars a month. How can you unweave that? from money that's already committed to not only your lifestyle, but your survival. How, how do you think that is possible? I honestly have no idea. And the answer is no one does. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, that is the biggest mistake is that you, you set this lifestyle, you, you create your first adult, uh, worker habits. I don't know why you use that voice, but you do that and then you can't change because it's so hard to do. So it, better yet, here's the, here's the better approach. Um, when you graduate from school and you secure that job, or not, even if you've got some money to do this, start making the payment right away so you can get used to it. So that way, instead of setting your lifestyle on $2,500 a month, you're making your payment, which nets you down to $2,000 a month. And then you make all of your decisions about where you're living, what sort of rent you can afford, how many times a week you can go out to eat, all those other things are based on $2,000 a month. So there is no grace period. And, and, and uh, in other words, you never form bad, aggressive habits that then you have to reverse six months later. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. It does make a lot more sense, except that grace period just seems like this beautiful, wonderful thing. It's like, oh, they've extended me some grace. Like, don't you feel that way? It's like the grace period seems like a good thing. Yeah, I think it's like used, especially because a lot of college students don't have that job coming out of college. And so, like, I think that's what they say, but it's kind of like manipulating also at the same time. Yeah, I think a lot of language around student loans makes you feel better or is meant to make you feel better about the situation than than the situation really is. For instance, income-based repayment. Now, obviously an income-based repayment is where you don't feel great about your income. It's a little bit lower. So then your payments, your required minimum payments are based on the income you have available. And you're thinking, well, that makes a lot of sense because I don't have that much money. But here's what it does. It drags your student loans out for so much longer then, then, then you need to, to deal with them. I, again, I'm going to get uh, negative feedback on this particular point at askpete at petetheplanner.com, subject line, you're wrong again, Pedro. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm telling you, income-based repayment, while, while you know, painted in the corner as a good thing for new grads, it is not. Uh, taking 25 years to pay off your student loans is a horrendous idea. You should try to rip the Band-Aid off by the time you're 30. And the best way to do that is to take the grace period and shove it somewhere that's aggressive, put it somewhere else and use that time frame to establish healthy habits. On top of that, the way the most popular uh, federal student loans work, which are called Stafford loans, those loans are, are subsidized by the federal government, meaning the interest on them, uh, you don't have to deal with it when you are a student, okay? So the, then what ends up happening is when you graduate during the grace period, uh, there's that six months in which uh, at the end of the six month period, all of the interest that had accrued would then what is called capitalize into the loan. So your loan amount grows six months after the fact because the interest, which you never had to pay, then becomes part of the loan. So what a great goal for any new grad to do is to pay off the capitalized interest before the grace period ends. And if you do that, if you specifically set out in six months, I'm gonna pay off whatever this interest is, you will save a tremendous amount of money. So that is how to solve the biggest problem that comes with uh, being a new grant. All right, coming up after the break, here's uh, what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about how much should a person spend on food? 
If you're watching on PeteThePlanner.tv, you're looking at me and you're saying, probably a little bit less than you do, chubby. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown, yeah. Cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me every Indiana game. Grew up around the country. Back on the Pete the Planner show. I am Pete the Planner. Uh, next question that we're answering, of course, because this show is about answering your financial questions, your money questions answered. Uh, and you can always email us your questions. Please do. Uh, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Of course, you can watch us also at PeteThePlanner.tv. We will see right now I'm wearing a very blue shirt. That's about an inch too short. Like if it was a little bit longer, it'd be more comfortable and I probably should buy a bigger shirt. But this is the right size shirt. It's just not long enough. So boy. All right. This question is, dear Pete, I like to eat. Really? You're going to go with rhyming? Do you think that's cute? Dear Pete, I like to eat. The problem is I spend too much on food. How much am I supposed to spend on food and still enjoy my life? Greg. Well, Greg, here's the thing. I don't appreciate the rhyme. You're trying to be clever, and I'm the only person that can be clever on this show. Is that not right, Nicole? I'm the only person that can be clever. Whatever helps you sleep at night. <sighs> Bourbon, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> So how much should you spend on food? Now, Nicole, um, I used to talk about this a lot because I felt like fundamentally people needed to know what their parameters were. I've sort of come off of this because I feel like as adults, no one should tell you what you should spend on food. But sometimes I think maybe we should re revisit this idea of what, what's a good rule of thumb to spend of your income on food. Now, you obviously uh, work here because, well, you're here. Hello. Yes. Uh, <laughs> prior to working here yeah did you have a concept of what you should spend on food or you just try to take it easy um i had a concept based on after i would go to the grocery a couple times and see what i was spending on a regular basis and yeah. seeing how far that food got me so i had an idea and a concept and i was aware of even though i wanted to grab panera on the way into work before sure i was here delicious uh, bread delicious bread but my bank account didn't love it as much as i did yeah. so yeah i don't know i just feel like that there are alternatives to still getting to eat what you want without spending 15 dollars on lunch every day so let's do this let's set some parameters but then i'm going to give you a lot of wiggle room on how to get out of this does that sound fair I like the wiggle room. I like the wiggle room. Okay, first of all, uh, with the ideal household budget, Pete the Planner's ideal household budget, um, <laughs> we have 12% of your take-home pay allocated towards food. Now, Frank, this is food both uh, from the grocery store and from restaurants. Restaurants. Any, your coffee, like anything, okay? So it's yeah. all things put in your face, 12% of your take-home pay. All of it. Let's, I'm going to make up a number here. 
Okay, we're gonna make up a number. a number. Let's say you and your special friends take home pay collectively. I'm, I gotta pick a round number, so just work with it. Okay. Is $5,000 a month of take home pay for the Frank household. For the, oh, thank you for making it the Frank household. Well, I don't wanna get him involved. I've been driving the ship this week, let me tell you. That was ship with a P, if you weren't listening closely. <laughs> right, because it sounded <laughs> like I was trying. Okay. Um, $5,000 a month of income. So 12% of $5,000 is $600. Okay, is the math right here? Everybody checked it? I did. It's $600. Nicole, not that your household income is $5,000. I don't know what it is. I know what half of it is, but I don't know the other half. But I guess by half, it'd be, anyway, here we go. Awkward. So $600 a month. That's 150 bucks a week if you, if you go with the old, a month is four weeks. Um, which include groceries, going out, clubbing. Clubbing, as it were. What, what do you think about that? That's probably, a, in retrospect to what our take-home pay is, sure. that's about where we are. Okay. So here's where it goes completely off the rails. Um, first of all, the first wiggle room. Here's the first piece of wiggle room. I really don't care what people spend on dining out as long as they're not eating their chance at financial stability. There's a really ugly reality about a consumable good like food is once it's consumed, it's gone, and you literally dispose of that food, if you will, uh, <clears throat> Nicole, after the fact. <laughs> right? Literally. You literally, it is becomes waste. So this is to say, do you really want to create financial instability or further financial instability by consuming something and then turning it into waste. Now, if you have stability and you have it in the budget to be able to do this, eat away and waste away. Don't care. However, if your financial priorities are not getting funded, if you have consumer debt, if you have no emergency fund, if you are just swinging by a thread, is that the, is that the phrase? Is that the cliche? Swinging by a thread? I think so. That sounds right. Seems a little weird. Hanging. Hanging, hanging by, by a thread. thread. God, thank God for internal Leah. Right? I've what is that. it? Hanging? Swinging? Hanging by a thread. Hanging by a thread. I have said thank goodness for Leah more times than I can count this week I haven't already. even been here this week. I just met her today. I'm just kidding. It's I, been I, a week I, and I, have I already can count. Uh, so hanging by a thread. Let's yeah. say your financial life is hanging by a thread and you're just slamming things into your face hole. What are you doing? There are conceivably, Nicole, 93 meals per month if you go the traditional BLD. Yeah. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, as I the kids you. call it. I got you. Uh, 31 meals uh, of each. So 93 meals a month that you would conceivably place in the hole in your face. Okay? <laughs> yes. Now, there's some people who are like, oh, I eat every two hours. And it's like, I oh, do six small meals. I'm like, ah, I don't have time for you right now. This is about the traditional BLD crowd. 93 <laughs> meals a month. 93 meals a month. And you have to multiply that by the number of people in your household. So if you have two working adults that then make the choice every day to uh, maybe go get coffee on the way into work or grab lunch out instead of taking lunch to work, then, then you're talking about 186 opportunities a month for someone to spend money outside of the grocery store on food. Do you know where I'm going with this? I do know. That's a lot, dude. It's a lot. And when you put it into that context, spending the right amount of food takes on a whole new feel, doesn't it? Yeah. So your goal should be on some level, If and, and uh, I'm going to pull out the calculator here, because you know nothing better than a guy on the radio 
with a calculator. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. You, always. So, so if you got $600 uh, for a household of two to spend on food, and there's 186 meals you need to fund, that is $3.23 per B, L, or D. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. So even getting a five, five, five dollar foot long, you're over budget. Right? Right. Uh-huh. A lot of bread. Uh, that right? is a lot of bread. A lot of bread. A lot of bread. It smells chemically. But it's delicious. It can be if you're not into good tasting food. But $3.23, dude. You never really put it in that context, do you? No. So let's let's say today you go out for lunch and your friend goes out for lunch. You're going to spend at least six or seven dollars, I would think, for you. Yeah. At least. At least. And then homeboy does, too. Homeboy spends at least 15. Uh, right? When we go through the burrito line, we get chicken and steak. Millennials. He's a Am I right? So you see where we're going with this. To spend more than 12% is incredibly easy. Incredibly easy. And so if you want to take from another area of your budget for food, have at it. <gasps> As perhaps I do with my entertainment. Right, because food is entertainment. Exactly. So that's how I use my food budget as what we spend on the grocery each month. So, by the way, that's what we used to do. Yeah. Because we used to have 17% of our income going to groceries and dining out. Yeah. 12% for the normal category, and then we would take the entertainment, and Mm -hmm. then that was like our wine budget or whatever. Yeah, that's what we use it for. Here's the problem. Kids. I don't have that problem. Get them kids. That sounds personal. It, 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 they're, they're a big problem. And I say <laughs> that, that someday they'll unco- uncover this audio in their therapy with their therapists. No, but here's the thing. That changes the dynamics of this entire conversation. And what ends up happening is people's lives change and evolve. So, Nicole, at 24 right now, you are dialed into a lifestyle and a priorities. Like it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy. That's not the point. But um, It's different. It's different. So that will only get more complicated. Yeah. That wasn't, that didn't even sound that condescending. No. It will just get more complicated. And so where people get in trouble is they don't acknowledge the additional complication and, and they just, just keep spending as if everything's the normal. Right. Oh yeah. That was like when the great car debacle of winter of 2018 went down. Sure. Two, had, two car accidents in one day, whatever. Sh- go, no, go, go fine, ahead. It's fine. fine. It's over. It's fine. Um, but I had to reevaluate how much I was allowing myself to spend within that entertainment area of my budget because I was now taking on not only another car payment, but yeah. now also my parents helped with the with putting down some money. So that was a priority to pay them back. Yeah. And I had to rework part of my budgets because of that. And, and to the point that we just made... The more people in your household, the more complicated that gets. Yeah. Where you and the boy are at 186 meals per month in your household. I got cans. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm at 368 meals a month in my household. Oh my God. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the answer is, my friend, it's blowing in the wind. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is 12% is is a good way to shoot uh, towards a target, but it's much more complicated than that, depending on the number of people in your household. If you have a lot of consumer debt, you have no emergency fund, stick to the 12%. If you don't, take it from there. Coming up after the break, here's what we're going to do. 
Uh, biggest waste of money of the week. Is that where we're at? That's where we at. Biggest waste of money of the week. A cruise around the world. All right. How much does that cost? You'll find out next on the Pete the Planner Show. I am Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I got to do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm. Back on Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. Your money questions answered. The question we're answering right now. What does a Viking 245-day ultimate world cruise look like from a financial perspective? Is it a waste of money or is it a great use of money? So, Nicole, before we get into the particulars here, a 245-day cruise. Like. That's eight months? That's heavy. What's the math on that? I don't know. That's a lot of days on a <sighs> ship. Here I am back doing math on the show again. Do you ever feel like I just sit here and do math on the show? That's eight months, dude. Dude, that's so long. I don't, I, I've never done anything for eight months. No. Nothing. Okay, so here's the deal. We're going to determine by the end of this segment whether spending whatever money this costs on this cruise makes sense. If you're watching at PeteThePlanner.tv right now, we are going to show you images from the cruise. Uh, and of course, they're marketing images. If you're not watching on PeteThePlanner.tv, by all the means, uh, go there, subscribe, click the, click the subscribe button. Like that, and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Hashtag. I but don't but know. seriously, do please like and subscribe. But yeah, seriously, do like and subscribe. Subscribe to our newsletter. And okay, okay just stop. This is turned in about you. <laughs> all right, the Viking two forty five, the Viking two hundred forty five day ultimate world cruise. First of all, it's important to point out uh, this is not for working people. No. Nicole, if you come to me on Monday and you're like, hey, Pete, and I'm like, hey, Frank. Uh, <laughs> You'll go just like that. Yeah. Can I have eight months off? I, no. Wait, if, even if I worked remote? No. No? Are you I like hanging out with you. It's self-serving. Aw, yeah. it's self-serving. Yeah. All right. So here it is. Ready? Visiting 59 countries on six continents. The Viking 245-day Ultimate World Cruise is the best way to travel the globe. Cut to picture. The journey starts in London, and over the next 35 weeks, the Viking Sun will make a round trip hitting every bucket list worthy destination along the way. Each day will bring you to a new location with stops at Reykjavik, Iceland, San Juan, Rio de Janeiro, Bora Bora, Egypt, Sydney, Hong Kong, and Egypt. While the 113 guided tours allow you to get the most out of every city. When you're not at a port, your time inside the ship won't be disappointing either. 
The award-winning vessel offers spacious rooms, each with its own veranda, king-size bed, private bathroom, and flat-screen TV, as well as restaurants, an infinity pool, spa, theater, cinema, and an explorer's lounge serving craft beer and Scandinavian fare. Okay, so I've just described it. That was nice. I felt good. It did, yeah. What, what are your initial thoughts here, Frank? This is expensive. Well, yeah, yeah right. Okay, so, so that is your initial thought. Yeah, because I work in financial wellness. <laughs> okay, so, okay, I mean, it's fair to say this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get to the... You want to go price now or do you want to talk about it more? No, do price. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. This is just for one person. I am okay, I'm so, not ready for it, but I'm ready for it. $92,990. Cool. I was going to say just shy of 100K. So. Oh, I should have had you guess. You always guess it right. Thank you. I'm really good at like prices right. Who produces these segments? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay. So let's say you and friend go. Right? Oh, yeah, I like how he's friend. He's yeah. not even my special friend no, anymore. No, he's just friend. He's just my friend. He's got to step up. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about 185 gur. Gur. What? Oh, what? Right, because then you have to take into account your, like, how much do I actually spend in a year? And does this it's, supplement? It's, it's less than 185,000. I'm just going to go oh, ahead and tell you. Oh, yeah, but. Uh, okay, so what? Okay, would you want to be cooped up on this thing for eight months? No way. No. No. Who no. would do this? Like, let's let's just create a stereotype of a person that would do this. I, I think I've got one. And this yeah. is God, this is gonna be offensive. I was gonna say I've got one too. Is it offensive? I don't know. Do yours first. Okay, I just think it's someone who had a career, had like a thirty-year okay. career. Okay is now retired retired early sure never married okay and th they've just got this surplus of cash laying around Dude, and so instead of a year of just hanging at home spending money from their retirement fund they just pay this up front and dude we that's have, it we're the same person we we have that we share a brain <sighs> i was gonna be, go gender specific on it but why, why do that i think there will be a lot of wealthy single middle-aged women on this yeah and there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's just the demographic. Why would you do this? I mean, you were saying, I'm going to take eight months away from whatever is holding me back at home, which goes to your point, Nicole. Yeah. It's got to be someone who doesn't There's no strings care. attached. There's, this is someone who has traveled regularly for their career yes. to begin with. So they're used to already not being at home. So I guarantee they have some, like a nice, like small apartment. So it's not like they've got this huge totally. piece of property to tend to. This is what makes sense. I mean, that that's who this is geared towards. I also have another scenario. Please. Newly divorcee. Yes. Who cashed out. I'm going to go f recreate myself and find myself in Reykjavik is what they would say. That keep seems, the dog. <laughs> keep the dog. Keep the house. I'll take a Viking cruise by myself. How about them apples? Okay. There's also going to be people that cash out their retirement with a total, I'm over it, giant mistake that do this. Oh, yeah. There's that little sprinkle of people who are like, 
we don't know if this is a good idea or not, but we're just going to go for it. Okay, I'm going to keep going back to this point, and maybe I shouldn't. I feel like more women will go on this than dudes. Do you really? Is that... Why I do I feel that way? Because I just see it as it's anyone who seriously retired early. Sure. Which is women because women make better financial decisions. That maybe that's the right way I'm going. Uh, I would also say bring a picture back. Can you pop it back up there? uh, Hold on. You can't. We got 45 seconds, so you've got time to do that. Thank you. Have you ever seen the movie? This is way before your time. God, why are you so young? Under the Tuscan Sun. Yes. I feel like instead of going to Tuscany, you just go do that. Instead of buying a house and renovating a house in Tuscany, this is what they do. I don't know. I'm with you. All right, so I'm I'm going to go. I'm not going to call it a biggest waste of money of the week or good use of money of the week, but it certainly is interesting. Yeah. All right, that's all we have time for this week on the Pete the Planner show. If you want to ask us a question, do it via email. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Glad to have internal Leah on the squad. Lots coming to PeteThePlanner.tv. Go subscribe. Thank you so much. Sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner. Show. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money life, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning the flights. Consult a financial divisor. Released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET or to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. and beats I burn, this I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the sole controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try, can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?